Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome to another episode of the Crystal Silence League Hour. This is your jovial host, the Reverend John St. Germain, as I sit here looking at the spinning wheel of death, waiting for the theme music to kick in. And I thought Mercury Retrograde was over, but hey, you know what? Mercury Retrograde never ends here at Blog Talk Radio. We just wait and wait and wait for these things to occur, and I'm just going to kill it. I don't think it's going to start. Tonight we're starting the beginning of an exciting, I hope, new series on the beliefs of the elders. These are the beliefs of indigenous people. We're going to start... All right, look there. Hey, there it goes. Only 10 minutes late. Let's enjoy our theme music and we'll come back in just a minute. As I was saying, we're going to start with the, some of the uh, religious beliefs and practices of the Chalagi, otherwise known as the Cherokee. And we're going to start with that and move on. Start with that and move on to some others and compare and contrast them. And as you know, this is the Crystal Silence League. Some of you may know, some of you may not. That was founded originally in around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept who performed. Um, on stage as uh, Alexander the Great, a mind reader and psychic, and he founded the Crystal Silence League uh, during his uh, performance career on the vaudeville platform. And um, the Crystal Silence League was dedicated to the positive uh, affirmation for all those in need. And the idea was that people would send him postcards and letters. Can you imagine that? And uh, he would get thousands of these with their prayer requests, and he would have these great mailbags dropped on his stage, and he would place his crystal ball upon these uh, uh, letters and uh, and uh, pray over them. And then uh, people would ask questions. They'd think of questions and write them on these cards sometimes, and they were sealed in envelopes, and without opening the envelopes, you would answer these unspoken thoughts. It's quite a remarkable thing. And uh, in the spiritualist church, uh, there are people that go around and do this. They're called blessed services, where people would uh, think their thoughts and the spirits will deliver the answers to these people. Uh, quite a remarkable thing, a remarkable thing. And uh, when uh, Mr. Conlon passed into the silence around 1954, the league went with him until Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it back to life on the Internet many years ago. And if you go to our prayer page at www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see that we get a couple of hundred prayers a week posted for all the members and all the pastors to pray for. And if you post your prayer there, we'll pray for you. 
and prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We do have a gift shop wherever you like. You can buy something. And if you buy something, a crystal or a crystal ball or one of our books, you get a year's membership added on free. And so I would like to invite you to go there to the prayer page in just a minute after we talk about our crystal of the week, which in honor of our topic of Native American culture and beliefs is catlinite. Now, you may not know what catlinite is. Sometimes it's called pipestone. It's mined in a a, – a lot of it's mined in a city called pipestone, by the way. Um, And uh, the pipestone – in pipestone, Minnesota, there there are catlinite quarries uh, that are located and preserved in pipestone, Minnesota. And um, there's also the Pipestone River in Manitoba, Canada. And uh, this is uh, n- known as the uh, second um, softest stone in the world. Now, uh, under in uh, Minnesota, it lays under quartzite, which is considered the second hardest stone in the world. Which is very interesting, isn't it? So this is the the sacred red rock that's traditionally used in Native American ceremonies, and it is made used to make sacred uh, amulets and talismans and pipes. And it's a kind of a brick red, and I'm sure you've seen it if you've seen any of the clay pipes used in the ceremonies. And the legend around it is said that during the earliest times, uh, the great spirit took the form of a large red bird and stood upon a great red rock and he summoned all the tribes in America. Was it called America then? And he took out uh, a big piece of the pipestone and formed it into a pipe and he then smoked it and blew the smoke out over all the people of the world, all the tribes, and he told all the people that this stone was the flesh of his sacred body and that he made all the red people from it, all the red men, the the Indians. And therefore, they must, that stone contained the great spirit, and they should only use that stone for one thing and one thing only, and that was making the sacred pipe. No weapons of destruction should ever be made from it, and no weapons should ever be used on it. They should only be shaped into pipes for sacred ceremonies. And so it was so. Now, these stones are very special to people of Native American ancestry and should be treated with great respect. And to this day, talisman, talismans and amulets are made from it and pipes carved into various totem animals. And catlinite can be carried to help you connect to your ancestral spirits and to your bloodline, especially if you're looking for your totem animals and if you're looking for your ancestors and your Native American connections. It is a very profound earthy stone and if you find that you are ungrounded spiritually and you need to connect to your ancestral line and all of us are descended from indigenous descended from indigenous people from somewhere um, you can work with this stone to help manifest and connect that bloodline. I've heard people say only natives can work with this, only Native Americans. Well, you go back far enough, we're all native from somewhere. And perhaps it may be true that only those with Native American blood can work with it. I I won't say, but it won't backfire on you and kill you if you try. And it, but it is a sacred stone to Native Americans, just as cedar is a sacred wood to the Chilagi. 
And we'll get into why that is at some point, but work with it and try. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story about that Native American thing while, while we're here, while we're at, before we go to our prayers. When uh, I was a much younger man, uh, I will tell you that um, back, I guess, man, it was early to mid-70s. I know I was about 16, so 16 or 17. It was, so it had to be... Um, 76 or 77, and uh, a lot of people were reading Carlos Castaneda. Does that ring, does that ring a bell with you? Uh, it was the Don Juan books. Carlos Castaneda was an anthropologist who had formed a, an apprenticeship with a Yahi medicine man known as Don Juan. Now, as it turned out later, uh, although the teachings were valid, it turned out that Don Juan was a uh, a mythical character, a uh, fictional character, although he was an amalgam of many Yaqui elders that he had spoken to, but Don Juan himself didn't really exist. Um, anyway, this is what it, what we were told by Castaneda later, and that many of the events that occurred in the Don Juan books, the Castaneda books, may or may not have actually happened, but were uh, some may some may not have, but many of the uh, um, spiritual events could have or did, and some of them were secondhand. But anyway, uh, many of these experiments occurred through the uh, use of hallucinogenic materials, one of which was mescalito, uh, a cactus that you chew. Uh, and you wash your mouth out with tequila, spit it out, you chew it. And another was psilocybin, you know, the magic mushroom that grows on dung. So uh, a lot of people were doing this. And uh, there were some neighbors of uh, my brother who were hippies. And uh, I was a hippie at the time myself. And uh, they were they were, they were telling me, and I swear to you this guy talked like this. He, he talked exactly like um, Tommy Chong. He was like, yeah, dude, we're going to choose mescalito, and and uh, we're going to have a mescalito experience, man, and mescalito's going to teach us the way, and he's going on and on about this. And I said, so um, I, I have to ask, and this this sort of thing really, to this day, even even then and to this day, the the excuse of enlightenment to do recreational drugs rubs me the wrong way. I, I really don't like it. If you want to, if you want to get ripped, get ripped. But don't use it. Don't use spirituality as an excuse to get ripped. Don't don't do that to me. Don't don't try to fly that way. This guy just wanted to get high, man. And so I called him on it, and I did it in the way that I usually do, which is you know, around the corner. So I said, um, you know, it says in it says, so you you read Costaneda? He goes, yeah, dude, Costaneda, man, he lays it on the line, man. He's just, he's a heavy dude, man. And I said, you know, mescalito is only for Native Americans. I said, are you Native American? He goes, no, man, but no, man, dude, no, mescalito's for everybody, dude. Mescalito's cool. He's he's cool there. I said, no, no, mescalito is only for Native Americans. I said, mescalito is not for the white man. He goes, and this guy starts to get hostile, right? This this laid back piece for everybody, et cetera. Go, no, no, man, no, man, that's wrong, man. That's that's wrong, man. That's 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 bigotry, man. That's wrong. That's judgmental. You're being judgmental. I said, I am not being judgmental. So, uh, I go to my brother's house where all the Castaneda books is. I get maybe it's in uh, the second book. I turn to the page and it says right there, right there, where the elders are saying Mescalito does not like white men. Mescalito is only for the Native American. It says it there in black and white. I show it to him. He goes, no, nah, man, no, nah, man, that's not right. That's not right, man. Mescalito is for everyone. I said, it's right here. It's right here from the horse's mouth. Don Juan and Don Gennaro tell Costaneda that he may have a bad experience because he's not full-blooded Indian. He's got white blood in him, and the white blood in it may keep him Mescalito may reject him. No, nah, dude, that's not right, dude. No, nah, man, no, nah, man, no, nah, man. Someone put that in there. Some, some, you know, some, some white guy put that in there, man, to try to keep people from doing it. The publisher did that. I said, 
I said, are you listening to me? I said, this is from the horse's mouth. This is, it's not for white people. You better not do it. It's not for white people, man. Nah, man, nah, man. You're just, you're just coming down on me. You're, you're, you're with the man, you know, this whole thing. So, um, I, I just remember doing that. And so anyway, the, the guy went and chewed his mushroom, magic mushrooms and his peyote buttons, which Mescalito was peyote and, uh, all this other stuff to get ripped. And to this day, people do this, you know, they, uh, they use um, you know, like ketamine. You know, ketamine. We talked about that. Ketamine is one where people seek enlightenment, and uh, uh, through the use of drugs. And I'm going to tell you that very few, very few North American um, uh, medicine people encourage that uh, the use of hallucinogens for this. And what we'll find as we look at uh, the um, traditions of North American um, Indians, North American Native Americans, is we don't see a lot of people sitting around getting ripped, you know, to, for spiritual uh, connection. Uh, it's not like you see in the movies. It's really not like you see in the movies. It's actually very simple, very down to earth. So why don't we go to our prayers and uh, see uh, who we have today, and please join me in prayer. Um Sometimes I reflect on that story and wonder if I would have handled that differently, and pro- probably not. I still call people on on their BS when they try to um, pee on my leg and tell me training. You know, I I, I just I'm not I'm not into that. Uh, you know, like people that say um, you know dropping acid is a short way to enlightenment. You know, Buddha taught it. Buddha taught how to get to enlightenment, and Buddha. There are people that say Buddha used cannabis. You know, but. There's no evidence of that whatsoever, except for a few local traditions. There are some local traditions uh, in uh, Myanmar um, that maybe he used uh, cannabis, uh, like seeds. He ate hemp seeds. Uh, I, I don't know if you can even get high on hemp seeds. I don't even know. But anyway, that's the topic for another day. We'll have some call-in shows. You think Buddha Buddha ripped a bong? Call in. You know, we'll. Uh, We'll discuss that. We have our prayers. If you would like to go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org and go to the prayer pages, prayer requests, you may pray along with me. I see a little bit more than you do because I'm a pastor. I have a secret code word and a secret decoder ring so I can see more than you do. But why don't we go and pray and let me get into my meditative mode and ready to connect with spirit. And we'll start praying. And here we go. Prayer ID 75579. I never identify by name, just by prayer ID. And this prayer is for Cargo, a dog who was... Oh, no. Right off the bat. A dog who was unspeakably abused. Cargo was adopted, quote-unquote, from an animal shelter... and taken to a home where she was unspeakably abused, horribly beaten, then dumped by the side of the road by two men. Although taken to a vet by a woman who saw her get dumped, she died the next day. I have lost my faith in God because of this and other atrocities. We bred dogs to love us, trust us, and obey us. And this is what we do to them. Prayers for Cargo's spirit to be loved and cared for in the next world. Prayers that these horrible men will realize the enormity of what they have done and abuse no more animals or humans. Amen. Give me just a minute. Prayer ID 75578. We've been so blessed with a new house and job, but we live far out of the city, and we do not have gas money or food money. We need a miracle to get us through to September 2nd. Please lift us up in prayer that we get a miracle for finances as soon as possible. Once we get paid, things will settle. Blessings. Amen. Prayer ID 75577. I was reported to the IRS by some angry friends filled with jealousy and envy. 
I have been fighting this for several years now. They're trying to charge me with tax evasion. They want to see me lose everything. I have a five-year-old and have never been in trouble before. I need to be vindicated from this. I want my life back. Please pray in agreement with me. I know that God can bring me out of this. Amen. And prayer ID 75576. Please pray that Micah quits sinning and lusting. Please let us keep our communication open. Please allow me to forgive him, but not be a doormat. That's a difficult balance. May this be so. Amen. And prayer ID 75575. Lord, help me continue to grow closer to you so that my faith in you will become even bigger. I already have, but sometimes I still worry about things after I put them in your hands, which is not good. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And prayer ID 75574. A healing miracle is needed. Please pray for my cousin MB. Pray a miracle over her. The doctors say she can die at any moment, but she has a will to live for her children. Cancer has spread through all of her organs, including her brain. Oh. But I believe in miracles, and I believe in the power of prayer. Pray that her cancer goes into remission and that she is blessed with health and life. I ask us in Jesus' name, amen. And we have a whole bunch from someone we've already prayed for. And prayer ID 75569. I pray for the immediate purchase of our new home with cash funds, pay in full, our brand new home on Niagara Street in Plano, Texas. Looks pretty. Amen. And prayer ID 75568. I would like prayers said to help me with my process before the government that I will not encounter delay or hindrance. Everything will work smoothly. Also, a prayer for good health, favor, and grace in all I do. Amen. And prayer ID 75567. I pray for victory, success, good luck, and breakthrough in all the financial help and loans, which I am seeking and expecting, and may every hindrances and blockades to this financial help be totally removed and eradicated. Amen. Prayer ID 75566, I play that three correct, accurate, and unfailing lotto-winning numbers be clearly and soundly revealed and exposed to me on the day they will play together with the machines that will play them, and may I play and win with the numbers, and may every hindrances, obstacles, and blockades be totally and permanently eradicated. And a note. I promise and vow to send in my donations to the Crystal Silence League if this request is granted. Thanks. Amen. And we appreciate it. Prayer ID 75565. Psalm 610. Please pray the Psalms against RM for his schemes against humiliating women online on the Internet. Amen. We'll have to look this guy up and see if Psalm 610 is uh, pretty heavy. Let me... My psalm out here. I want to see what that is. I'm sad to say I don't have that at my fingertips. Let's look up Psalm 610 and read it. Read it here. I bet it's a corker. Let's see what we got here. Psalm 610. Lord, 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 do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accept my prayers. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Amen. 
That's a good one. I, I, yeah, I remember that one. Let's have a moment of silence, and let's have a moment of silent prayer, and let's have a moment of power for all those in need of comfort and affirmation. Amen. Well, We're to start with this. Uh, I want to start a conversation with the Cherokee gods and where they live, which is about everywhere. But let's talk about, um, first of all, the idea of um, shamanism. I'm going to tell you the um, the use of the word shaman, I think, is uh, overused and often misused. Uh, first of all, I might surprise you with something. There are no such thing as shamans in North American indigenous people. Um the word shaman is used by outsiders to describe uh, many things that are not shamanism. Uh, first of all, uh, there are no shamans in Cherokees, in Cherokee magic. Um, and uh, if you don't believe me, I'm going to read you a statement from the uh, Cherokee Nation's uh, uh, website. Uh, but Cherokees do not have shamans, uh, and I may be overstating this, but I'm pretty sure that no Native American tribe have shamans. Perhaps South American tribes could be said to have shamans, but I even doubt that. Shamanism started in Asia, and um uh, I will tell you that if you, even if you go to the Wikipedia page, it will tell you that um, – and Wikipedia is not always that accurate, but um, I'll tell you that shamanism, first of all, uh, is a practice where the practitioner achieves an altered state of consciousness, and that does not occur in most Native American magic. Uh, most Native American medicine elders do not enter altered states of consciousness to uh, – interact with the spirit world. They do talk to spirits, uh, uh, but they don't usually inter, uh, interact in a state of consci altered consciousness. Uh, and the word shamanism um, uh, was first applied to Asiatic practitioners. And um, 
uh, it's usually uh, used to describe a trance-like state. And uh, after that, it was sort of applied to everybody that was uh, a healer or a medicine person, which is what is mostly used within the tribe itself, healer, medicine person. Um, um, now, many uh, shamanic practi- practitioners gain their knowledge by entering through the dream gate, through the dream state, into the spirit world and the taught by spirits. In most Native American tribes, it's passed down from elder to disciple. Um, and um, the... Um, uh, in fact, I will tell you that even on the Wikipedia page, if you go further down on it, I just wonder what Wick, what Wiki said about it. Um, it talks about uh, shamans throughout the world, all through uh, Siberia, North Asia, Central Asia, etc., and um, in great detail. And then when it gets to North America, um, uh, it's it's <laughs> it's like uh, blah blah. It says here's what it says. Um, Native American and First Nations cultures have diverse religious beliefs, and there never was never one universal Native American religion or spiritual system. Now, if you get most of your information about Native Americans from Facebook, that may surprise you, because it's like Native Americans were one with the country, with the nature, and they lived in a very peaceful state with nature and got along with each other greatly. Well, okay. Uh, uh, Wow, uh, never had one universal Native American religion or spiritual system. Wow. Although many Native American cultures have traditional healers, ritualists, singers, mystics, war keepers, and medicine people. Thank you. Thank you. None of them ever used or used the term shaman to describe these religious leaders. Correct. And this is going to be very important because I want to call some motherfuckers out here in a minute. Um Rather, like other indigenous cultures, the world over, their spiritual functionaries are described by words in their own language and in many cases are not taught to outsiders. Correct. Correct. So when – and this is why I'm getting a little excited when you get on the internet and here's some guy with a swarthy complexion and wearing his hair in braids says, I'm a Native American shaman and I'm teaching courses in Native American shamanism. Grab your wallet and run. Now, I don't normally call out other people. You know, I'm not one of these people that tries to strip the culture, you know, strip the community, the community, big quotes in capital letters, strip the community of all the fakes and and uh, charlatans. I'm not that guy. You know, there, there are other guys out there that think they're going to make themselves look good by doing that. I'm not that guy. I, I, I respect you more than that. I think you have enough common sense to know when somebody's pulling your leg. But in this one case, I will. Um, um, it goes on to say, many of these indigenous religions have been grossly misrepresented by outside observers and anthropologists, even. And that's true. Oh, that's true. A lot of the stuff you read uh, is, uh, I, I don't know where you get it, uh, uh, even to the extent of superficial or seriously mistaken anthropological accounts being taken as more authentic than the accounts of actual members of the cultures and religions in question. Now, you don't only see that in Native American culture. You see that in a lot of culture. A lot of culture. I mean, you see that in hoodoo and voodoo and santeria. Oh, you see that in every culture. Uh, do, do you like it when like a white liberal with a college degree in sociology starts telling you about the black experience, you know, or the the urban experience, what it's like to grow up poor, you know, and you know this guy grew up in a rich neighborhood, but he, 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 he took a course in it in college. You know, you see that in a lot of cultures. Um, so often these accounts suffer from noble, savage type romanticism and racism. Yeah. Some contribute to the fallacy that Native American cultures and religions are something that only existed in the past and which can be mined for data despite the opinions of Native communities. 
Not all indigenous communities have roles for specific. I, you know, this whoever wrote this was pretty good. Uh, not all indigenous communities have roles for specific individuals who mediate with the spirit world on behalf of their community. Among those that do have this sort of religious structure, spiritual methods and beliefs may have some commonalities, although many of these commonalities are due to some nations being closely related from the same region or through post-colonial governmental policies leading to the combining of formerly independent nations on reservations. This can sometimes lead to the impression that there is more unity among belief systems than there was in antiquity. You know, so there you go. Um, so we don't have North American shamans. I mean, we just don't. Now, I've had a, a number of clients tell me, "Well, I, I studied under the shaman. You know, he's a he was a Sioux shaman." And I'm like, "No, he wasn't. Uh, sorry, but no, he was probably neither a Sioux nor shaman." Uh, I worked at psychic fair once, and there was a guy who was a Winnebago shaman. Uh, I won't I won't say his name. He's probably still out there. And uh but he he looked the part. He's very tall, had the big no he had a big hawk like nose. Um searing eyes like an eagle, black eyes like an eagle that just looked right through you, these big eyebrows. And he wore his hair, of course, in the in the braids and uh iron gray hair, you know, he uh, oh man, he looked like he came out of a Clint Eastwood spaghetti western. Um uh, you know, look like he would sit on his horse and go, mm, the words that pass your lips are made of iron. You are a man of a man of honor. And, uh, you know, he'd have all the braves behind him on their horses. You know, he looked like that guy. Well, I suspected he played the role too sincerely. Um, and uh, and he, he liked to drink. So he was at the bar one time. And uh, he was drinking. He got to get to the bathroom. He left his wallet on the uh, on the bar. And I was talking to the guy that may he rest in peace, Tom Barish. He ran these great New Earth Festival uh, psychic fairs. And you know, God love me, died about a year a year or so ago. We miss him. And he'd retired from the psychic fair business about 25 years ago. Um, he, these fairs, 25 years, they ran for about seven or eight years, I guess. And oh, they were great. So I just opened up his wallet, looked at his identification, and uh, this so and so was Italian. <laughs> his his name ended in you know, a vowel, right? He was Italian. He didn't have a. I don't think he had a drop of Native American blood. And uh, uh, I said, Tom, Tom, Tom. You know, his last his last name was like Rizzoli or something like that. I said, uh, you know, I said, I said he, he he's not Native American. And, you know, Tom, being very practical, said, oh, yeah, but, you know, people like him. We'll keep him on a little while until some, you know, someone complained about him, uh, you, you know, uh, being sexually assertive eventually. And we had to get rid of him. But he uh, he was Italian. So a lot of people were running this uh, shaman thing, and a lot of people still do. So be beware. But if you go to uh, org, and how more authoritative can you get that, Cherokee.org? Uh, it's the website of the Cherokee Nation. You can read a lot about Cherokee beliefs and uh, Cherokee medicine men and women. Okay, there's a page. The knowledge used by medicine people comes from other medicine people who came before them and handed down their medicine to chosen ones. They trained for many years, and the medicine formulas, song, and other rites are handwritten in ledgers which have been handed down over time. It is unwise to try to interpret the Cherokee writings in these books and use them without the proper training. That word unwise, that's an understatement. Most are written in cryptic fashion, leaving out major portions that the practitioner has learned verbally, written in code, or even written backward. It's the same with the Pali Canon in Buddhism. That's a very condensed formulas. You can learn that stuff in Buddhism, but you need a monk. You really do need a monk to explain it to you. We're told that the Cherokee medicine people travel to the rock caves to meet with the little people and share in their secrets. Medicine people are still today an integral part of the traditional Cherokee lifestyle. We'll learn about the little people in a little bit, in a very little bit. Cherokee medicine people are not shamans. They're also not psychics and do not give readings. This is true. Traditional Cherokees may consult with medicine people for help with medical problems, dilemmas in their lives, or other problems. There are fewer medicine people alive and practicing today, but those few are still known by traditional and others in Cherokee communities. 
bold letters now, it is not accepted for medicine people to advertise or make their services known in other ways. They are very hard to find and get to know. The proper way to find a medicine person is to be part of a Cherokee community, ceremonial ground or family, and to come to know this person through those connections. Bold letters. Please do not contact Cherokee Nation asking to be put in contact with a medicine man or woman or asking us to help you become one for information regarding culture, etc., and languages. Now, there's another page about the belief systems, and somewhere on here it, it says something to the effect that we don't offer courses uh, or uh, college classes in uh, how to become a medicine man or a medicine woman. Um, I made inquiries to people I know, and uh, they said that they have been inundated over the years um, by so many um, questions that oh, about how do I become a Cherokee shaman? Do you offer courses in it? Do you uh, offer training in it? That they had to, had, had to put this up. Um, um, and uh, according to this, this page has been viewed 26,838 times since it was uh, created on uh, in 2013. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, like 27,000 people have been trying to find out about uh, Cherokee medicine men and Cherokee medicine women. And, you know, we're not that big a community here. Um, we're really not. So, um, you know, there you have it. And uh, how many people have been trying to learn the Cherokee language, the Cherokee language program? Uh Well, about 5,000 people try, interested in Cherokee, probably trying to figure out how to say F you or something in Cherokee. Um, and there is a way to do it, you know. Um, there's lots of great curse words in Cherokee. Um, you know, you, you can look it up. Um, you know, like, um, let's see here, this one. Um, I looked up quite a few of them myself. I speak very rudimentary Cherokee. I'm kind of ashamed of myself. I should speak more, but I speak very rudimentary. But there you have it. The official word of the Cherokee Nation is that uh, we're not shamans. We're medicine men, medicine women, medicine elders. You know, so there you have that. That's the official word. So why don't we dive in a little bit and learn a little bit about traditional Cherokee beliefs. So... The Cherokee gods in their abiding places. I always found this very interesting um, because uh, you know people say, "Oh, the Great Spirit, the Great Spirit." Well, who is the Great Spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you this: um, the uh, there is a pantheon of spirits in the Cherokee uh, um, belief system. There are gods in the heaven. There's gods in the earth and gods in the waters, but the animal gods by far constitute the most numerous class, although there are elemental gods as well. So among the animal gods, there's insects and fishes uh, in a uh, subordinate place on the lower level, while the four-legged uh, four-legged uh, animals, birds, and reptiles are, in, uh, in the old days when uh, Cherokees hunted and stuff, were almost continually evoked. So there was a, a, a great horned serpent spirit called a Uktena. Then there was the rattlesnake, uh, the tarpon, or the terrapin, which is a big turtle, and various species of hawk, and the rabbit, and the squirrel, and the dog were the principal animal gods. Now, I'll tell you something very interesting. You hear a lot about coyote. You hear a lot about coyote, the trickster. And uh, this is where I can tell when someone knows what they're talking about. Uh, I've heard people of Cherokee extraction talk about uh, my spirit totem is uh, the coyote because I'm cunning. No, no, no. The evil genius of the Cherokee is the rabbit. The rabbit is the trickster. The rabbit in Cherokee 
tradition is the evil trickster. Coyote plays no part in Cherokee mythology. We don't have coyotes. Uh, they, they, they moved here fairly recently, and sometimes coyote is mentioned, but not as the trickster. No, no, that's Southwest stuff. The, the coyote to the Cherokee, I can't think of a single story. The rabbit is the evil genius. Uh, you know the story of Br'er Rabbit and Tar Baby? That comes from Cherokee folklore. That is a Cherokee story, and I'll read it to you at some point. Uh, that was told by the Cherokee. Uh, Br'er Rabbit, uh, the uh, rabbit is the evil genius of some of the Cherokees. So uh, the importance and the power of the god in Cherokee folklore has no the size of the spirit, the size of the animal has no bearing on its power. Uh, and the large animals, bears and stuff, very seldom are they evoked. The spider is very important uh, in love formulas. The uh, the duty of the spider is to entangle the soul uh, in his web, to either pluck it from the body of the enemy, uh, to drag it to the dark land, or to trap the lover. So there are elemental gods, uh, fire, water, and the sun, and they're, they're, they're figurative names for all of them. Uh, the sun is called the apportioner, which is interesting because uh, the European, the Western name moon, Luna, meant measurer. Isn't that interesting? And uh, um, the, uh, the word for sun apportioner is uh, unilanuhi, the apportioner. The server, the apportioner. So now I'll tell you that uh, the early missionaries uh, incorrectly assumed the apportioner of all things, the sun, to be the great spirit. Uh, you'll see in a lot of the archaeological works will tell you that the Cherokees worship the sun. The uh, Mormons thought the Cherokees were the uh, lost tribes of Israel because they worship the sun, and they say, well, that's the son of God. And uh, some of the uh, um, uh, alternate words for sun was uh, Yahweh, which sounded like Yahweh. Isn't that interesting? So they said, oh, they worship the sun, they worship Yahweh. They're one of the lost tribes of Israel. And I'll tell you a very interesting thing about this, by the way. Um uh, the Redbird uh, rocks in in uh, uh, Kentucky, the Redbird uh, petroglyphs in Kentucky that were there before Columbus arrived have uh, petroglyphs carved in them by Chief Redbird, by le- according to legend, a Cherokee chief, that have Hebrew, Egyptian, Norse runes, uh, and Greek letters among Cherokee symbols. And uh, nobody can really explain wh- how that happened uh, because these are pre-Columbian. They were there before Columbus arrived here, and they were mentioned by uh, fur trappers. Uh, and uh, according to the Cherokee, uh, Chief Redbird carved them there. And uh, so how, how did they get there? And Chief Redbird said that they were passed down in his family for uh, generation after generation. And uh, you can look them up on, online, uh, the Redbird petroglyphs in Kentucky. So what the hell? Yeah, what the hell? Uh, so the sun, this mighty uh, god spirit, the apportioner, is evoked uh, chiefly was evoked chiefly by the uh, athletes, uh, not the hunters, but the athletes. The, the Cherokees played a game of ball that was a lot like lacrosse, and uh, the hunters though prayed to fire, and uh, they had a way of. Uh, a way of scrying. They had a way of looking at the fire to see what, uh, uh, how things were going to go for them. And they prayed to the fire. Uh, but every important ceremony, every, every important ceremony, whether it was uh, medicine, love, hunting, or sports, contained a prayer to the long person, which was water. Um, most strictly speaking, the river which could have been the Ohio River or the Tennessee River. Now, the wind and the storm, the clouds and the frost are also evoked in different ceremonial formulas. 
Now, very few inanimate objects are included in uh, any of the formulas except the stone, uh, which uh, a medicine man or woman might pray to while trying to find a lost object by means of a, a stone suspended by a string, a pendulum. And yes, the Cherokees use pendulums to find lost objects. And the flint, which was used when a medicine person was about to um, uh, uh, open, uh, create an opening on a sick person with a flint arrowhead before rubbing in uh, herbal medicine. And the mountain, which was often evoked or prayed to um, in some of the uh, ceremonial formulas. Uh, most plant gods don't appear prominently. Uh, the one that appears most common in the prayers and formulas is ginseng, which is sometimes called the, the big man or the little man. Um, although the most common Shalagi name for it is he who climbs the mountain. Now, there are many uh, personal deities that are evoked, the most common being Red Man. He is uh, one of the greatest and most powerful of the gods, um, frequently mentioned in many of the ceremony prayers, and uh, uh, very powerful, uh, equal, equal, probably equal in power to fire, water, or the sun. Uh, he's intimately connected connected with uh, the Thunder family, and we'll talk about them at some point. Uh, but it's very interesting because if the the person being prayed for or prayed over, if, you know, if they're sick, is a woman, it, it said that you pray to the red woman. If it's a man, you pray to the red man, but these are not two separate people. It is the same uh, God who is apparently sexually amorphous like some of the Egyptians' gods were said to be. The person seems, this personage, this uh, deity, seems to have dual sexual characteristics. If you're a god, I guess you can. Uh, kind of like Shekinah, the Shekinah. So another god evoked in the hunting songs is uh, Slanting Eyes, uh, Chulkalu, uh, who is a giant hunter who lives in... Uh, one of the in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and owns all the all the game that can be hunted. He owns all the animals that can be hunted. This is the domain of Slanting Eyes. He owns all the animals he can hunt. His uh, his permission must be gained for you to hunt. His blessings must be asked. Now, there are also the the two little men, and. Very interesting, the little people that we mentioned before, whom the medicine men and women consult with for knowledge, these are like fairies, and they live in the rock cliffs, and they they sometimes appear to people, and apparently they look exactly like human beings. Um, they have long hair that reaches the ground, except they're small. And then there's... Um, a little mischievous spirit called the Deitsatsa. And uh, Deitsatsa is uh, a little mischievous spirit. And um, the way I've heard him described is he, he's kind of like uh, Puck from uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. He's a little mischievous uh, imp that, uh, I guess, kind of like a poltergeist spirit, but very clever, very witty, very funny, and very mischievous. And then there there's... Uh, uh, a couple of formulas that are addressed, uh, and they're not—they're not fully understood, not fully explained uh, to a uh, to a redheaded woman whose hair hangs down to the ground. So there is a law of correspondence to how these formulas are used in uh, healing. So if a sickness is uh, divined to be caused by a fish spirit. Uh, you, you summon the fish hawk, the heron or some other bird that eats fish, 
to come and take it away. He sees the invader and take it away. So uh, if it's uh, caused by a, if it's caused by a worm or an insect, you get a bird spirit that eats insects. Come and get it. Take it away. So sometimes the sick man's bowels are being pecked at by a, a, a tribe of red birds. Uh, you know, a flock of red birds are pecking away at his vitals. So what do you do? You get the sparrowhawk spirit to come and drive them away. So sometimes uh, someone's having bad luck, and it, you, you determine through divination that it's the rabbit, you know, the, the trickster, the rabbit's causing all this bad luck. You get the rabbit hawk. You summon the rabbit hawk to come and run away the rabbit. So this type of uh, um, doctrine or signatures applies here, uh, law of correspondence. But sometimes even when you've done your best magic, you've summoned the right spirit. You summon the sparrowhawk to run away the redbirds. Some little fragment of illness still remains. Uh, a small fragment still remains. Uh, according to the formulas, the the skillful medicine person has to summon the whirlwinds from the treetops to come and blow away that last remaining fragments of of a bad spirit from the patient or from the sufferer, so that uh, scatter it to the wind so it will never reappear. This is a, you know, there are techniques like this in root work too. You know, sometimes you work your root work and there's still a little bit remain. You'll call it residue. You know, we say there's a little residue here. We're going to have to scatter that. So the hunter will pray to the fire and he draws his omens from that fire. Um, he'll pray to the stick that he fashions his arrow from. He'll pray to the uh, stone from which he fashions his arrowhead. He'll pray to the arrow, to the, to the bird from which he gets his feathers. He'll pray to uh, Shulkalu, the lord of the game. And he'll finally compose and sing songs to the very animal which he intends to kill specifically. Not just to any deer, to the specific deer, like a love song to a lover. He'll compose and address in songs the specific animal he intends to hurt to hunt this arrow this arrow this stone this shaft this feather is for this deer who takes that kind of attention these days who pays that kind of attention that would be like uh this five dollar bill in my wallet i'm going to go to the store and i'm going to buy this specific hamburger and this hamburger will bless my body, and as I eat it, it will dissolve into the nutrients that will. Who do, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine taking that kind of mindfulness and to bless every element, every see, every aspect, every day, everything. This is the true indigenous magic that we speak of. You see, when you read these things, when you read these things about. You know, Native Americans lived in harmony with nature and the earth. This is what we mean by it. This is what we mean by it. I don't think when we see these memes on Facebook, you really, we really get the. Can, this is what we mean by it, and this is where modern man has lost his way. So the lover prays to the spider to hold fast the affections of his beloved in the meshes of the web. Uh, you pray to the moon to look down. On you when you dance in favor, the warrior prays to the red war club, and a, a man about to set out on a dangerous expedition prays to the cloud to envelop him and conceal him from his enemy. So every spirit of good or evil has its distinct and appropriate place of residence. The rabbit lives in the broom sage on the hillside. The fish dwells in a bend in the river under the hemlock. The terrapin lives in the pond in the west. The whirlwind abides in the treetops. Everything had its place, and you had to know where it lived. And so every disease animal, when driven away from its prey by a more powerful animal, has to find shelter in its appointed place. Now, these animals of the of, now remember these animals, though, uh, of these formulas are not ordinary everyday animals. They're archetypes. They're, uh, they're the uh, great progenitors of all the other animals, and they live in the upper world above the arch the heavens. And we'll pick this up next week, and I hope you find it interesting. Uh, 
see you next week. We'll pick it up where we left off. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.